everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. My name is Ryan Burklow. I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to choose what repayment plan for your student loans. Yeah. And the most important thing to understand here is this has to be customized for your specific situation. Yeah, we've been getting, you know, student loans might be getting restarted here. And so we've been getting quite a few uh, emails as well as uh, meeting requests with us to discuss student loans and w- what plan uh, they should be choosing. And you as naturopathic doctors, right? Like you have several hundred thousand dollars oftentimes of student loan debt. This is this is a decision. It's also, it's a big stressor and we understand that. And so oftentimes if what we have found if you have just a plan of attack, if you know like when the end will be and understand how that's going to work, it's such a huge stress relief. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of like it's kind of like watching a scary movie, Alex. Like I hate scary movies mainly because I don't like shocker. I like to control stuff. So like the fact that I don't know what's going to happen actually freaks me the you know what out. Whereas I love it because I love being surprised. But when I know what's going to happen, it's no longer scary, right? It's, it's the exact same thing when it comes to finances. When you understand like what the plan is and, and how this is going to play out, it obviously becomes less scarier, therefore less stressful. Yeah. So l- let's dive right into it here. And, and a big thing with a lot of the plans and is a lot of times it's based off your income, uh, you know, your family size, and it's normally limited to 10% of your discretionary income. We're going to go into an example later on in the episode, but when you're deciding which rep- which repayment plan to choose, you really have to understand like how you look financially to decide that. And so number mm-hmm. one that we always want to bring up is if you don't have any sense of emergency fund or savings, you should be choosing the smallest plan like the smallest payment plan that is. Yeah. You're trying to create as much cash flow and as much flexibility, especially early on while you're building your practice, you're going to need the ability to have cash flow to, to deal with whatever life throws at you as you're building your practice. And this is keep in mind. I, I think a lot of uh, people, when they hear this, they're like, well, but what about the interest, Ryan? Like that means I'm going to pay a lot more over time. And the answer to that question is yes, you will. And if you chose a payment plan that is a lot higher and you needed extra money, then you might be going into credit card debt possibly, which is a higher interest rate. So in the end, you're going to pay, you might be paying more in interest. And then we've already spoken about stress levels, right? Like having a lower payment obviously relieves relieves a little bit of that stress level around cash flow. And this is just a one year at a time decision. Maybe it's one year of savings. And then the second year you change your repayment plan. Well, and nothing says that you can't throw extra money at your loan. This is just like, what do you want your payment to be? Yeah. Um, so many people think about it as, oh, this is locked in stone. No, you've got a lot of flexibility with this. And that's one of the reasons why, especially when you, when you, are getting started or don't have emergency reserves or cash flow is tight, selecting one of the lower payment options, if not the lowest, is often the best strategy. So once you have the savings, so moving on to number two here, once you have an emergency fund set up, then you need to look at, okay, what's what's my cash flow? What's the money coming in the door? And what how much of that is flexible from the standpoint of 
how much of it can I should be going to debt versus maybe other savings vehicles versus the practice, right? This is where the the deeper conversation gets into because when you have that kind of cash flow, now you've got more questions as to where it's going. Whereas when you don't have the cash flow, you really don't have much of a choice. Well, and I mean, so much of this question is like, okay, where is the cash flow best utilized? What's the rate of return that you get by putting it into your practice versus paying off the debt? Um, and so, yeah, like interest rate and rate of return come into the conversation. And one of the things that folks need to be aware of is depending upon your payment level and like what the rest of your financial situation looks like in terms of like what some of the, some of the numbers say, you may actually wind up having uh, a negative amortization loan. What that means is that you're not even paying all of the interest and short term, that's okay. Long term, that becomes an issue and it still might be the best option depending upon the rest of your financial situation. Yeah. The key, you know, just like when you are working with your patients, like we've heard it from your guys' mouth. So we know this to be true. You preach balance in, in our health, right? It can't be very focused in one particular area because it affects other areas. The same thing is true with this type of, with your financial plan or financial savings is all of your extra money should not be going towards paying the student loan debt. You need to have balance and really what we mean, what we mean by balance is more flexibility because like our health, it can change at any given time. And we want to make sure that we have the flexibility to handle that because the last thing we want is to overpay something occurs like an opportunity doesn't even have to be a negative thing. Oftentimes we always think about negative stuff. It could just be an opportunity, but you don't have the money or the cash flow set aside to be able to utilize it. And it might not even be that you need to have all of the money. It might just mean that you need to have like a down payment or like a part of it, whether that's uh, a strategic partnership, whether that's merging, whether that's buying a practice, buying a building, uh, whatever it is, opening a second location. There, there are a host of different things that would have you wanting to have extra cash um, or extra capital and the ability to be able to have some of this uh, is just huge. Which then takes us to number three here. And this is, this is the common question we get. So we're just going to want to start to get into it here a little bit. Um, if you're married, like this is an, it's very important to understand how you file your taxes, married filing jointly versus married filing separate, because your income is used in the calculations of your payments for your student loan. And so, you know, as an example, let's just say you're making $100,000 a year and let's just say your spouse is also making $100,000 a year, right? And we already mentioned it's based on, you know, your income, family size, and 10% of your discretionary income. So if you're married filing jointly, you need to, that might make sense, right? From, from a taxation standpoint, you'll need to analyze, okay, what will you owe in taxes filing that way? And what will your student loan payment be? versus married filing separate, what are the taxation of that? And that should lower your payment because it's now only now it's only based off your income, the hundred thousand dollar figure that I mentioned. Correct. And there's 
there are two massively distinctly different ways to look at this. If you talk with your CPA or your, or your tax advisor, they are going to analyze it purely from a what taxes owed standpoint. And that is one aspect. But the other aspect that you need to look at is, okay, how does that affect cash flow and whatever your payment is going to be? So if the, the difference in taxation is small, but the difference in payment is huge, it still might make sense to pay a little bit more in taxes just to get that extra flexibility. Um, well, it, like Here's an example. Let's just say, and I'm making up numbers here, right? So let's just say if you, if you file married filing jointly, you save an extra $1,000 in taxes, right? Meaning $1,000 stays in your pocket. But because you do that, your student loan payment goes up by 500 bucks a month. So now you have to pay an additional $500 a month. That's $6,000 of cash flow to save $1,000 in taxes. And again, if you've got your emergency reserve, you've got all your I's dotted and T's crossed, that might be totally fine because again, the extra dollars that are getting paid on the loan, like that's, it's not going to affect the, like it, that is paying down the loan significantly more than if you didn't have to pay that extra $500. But if cash flow is super tight and you don't have some of the safety nets like emergency reserves or proper income protection or things of that nature, having that extra $500 of cash on a monthly basis is huge. Mm -hmm. So again, this comes back to a really individual situation and you need to take a look at it from, through, um, from the perspective of like, okay, what, what's most efficient, but then in a, above and beyond most efficient is going to be, uh, what is the, what are the cash flow considerations? Which then takes us to, so oftentimes, and it is, you know, even I thought about it, like, okay, it says the payment is based off your annual income, uh, family size. And 150%, or I'm sorry, and 10% of discretionary income. So my question was, okay, what in the world is discretionary income? What does that mean? And I'm sure many of you think the exact same thing. And so we looked it up. Their definition of discretionary income is the difference between your annual income and 150% of the poverty guidelines for your family size and state of residence. So we're going to use Washington state as the example. We're going to use a family of four because it makes the math relatively easy. Poverty level for a family of four in the state of Washington is $30,000. So 150% of that is 45,000. So if you make a hundred thousand dollars, then the difference there is $55,000 a year. 10% of that is $5,500. And so that is the maximum amount of loan under that 10% of discretionary income, which means that the maximum loan is a little bit north of uh, $400 um, a month. So if we take 5,500 and we divide that by 12, it's $458 and 33 cents. So that becomes your, the, the most payment under that calculation. And then as, as we've already brought up, we then have to take into consideration, and Alex has already brought this, brought this up in the, the negative amortization aspect is, so if your payment's 458, as Alex just said, but, and I'm going to use simplistic numbers here. Let's just say your interest rate on your student loan is 6%. And so just in just the payment alone, 
of just paying the interest only on your loan is $600 per month, you are now 100 and I'm rounding here. You're now $150 negative every month, which means your student loan owed is actually growing. This is how we get this question all the time. Like, Hey, I'm paying my payments, but my student loan is growing. This is how that occurs. If you're not paying at least the interest on it, it's going to grow. And that might be okay. I want to be clear about that. I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. It's not good for 25 straight years. For sure. But this is the planning piece. So these are all the pieces that you should be considering and, and, and how to choose which repa- rich repayment plan makes sense for you. And there are programs out there uh, for student loan forgiveness. Uh, for naturopathic doctors, they're actually really hard to qualify for. Um, because of the the different hoops that you have to jump through. Um, there are some resources that we have uh, in terms of like different companies and things of that nature that can help help you determine whether or not you qualify for any of those programs. Um, and then how to go about actually like jumping through the proper set of hoops because I mean, they're government programs. Everything has to be filled out in triplicate and double stamped and like you do the hokey pokey before they give you the the forgiveness. So if you have any questions on this, reach out to us. This is, again, why we started this podcast is to give you information and to help you all be financially successful, which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is what's your plan to deal with your student loans? So head over to holistic-finance.com. And if you you have specific questions about student loans, that's a great spot for you to reach out to us and set up possibly a meeting with us directly if you would like. Um, You know, again, and I've already said this, but if you got any value out of this podcast, out of this episode, like share it with your friends, share it with your other doctors. The whole purpose of this podcast is to help naturopathic doctors be financially successful because that's going to be the best way to spread your message and help your patients. As always, we hope this episode is valuable for you. And Mr. Collins, make it a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. 
Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 15319412, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924, Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806, Pinpoint Number 2023 155978, Expiration May 2025.